Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's Matrix discussion group call for Zatical Sovereignty. Uh, here in the beginning of, what is this, 4th or so of April 2021. And this is just going to be, I think, an open call, open discussion call this evening. Anybody has any Q&A or whatever, I've got all the lines open. I'll leave them all open unless there's any background noise coming through. Uh, I had a guest planned for this evening, gave them instructions for how to join and everything. And not all of us are really all that skilled at following directions, I guess. And this gentleman is very knowledgeable in tax law and things like that. And uh, shouldn't have been a problem, but I don't know. Maybe it was too simple. So anyway, it is what it is. Uh, last week, there was some difficulty on my end, I think, with audio and things like that. I might have figured out what that was. I have a new technology device that I am using to do these podcasts with. So it's just kind of a trial and error thing. Uh, the fun of technology. Our co-host Keith is here with us this evening as well. I don't know if he's got anything particular on his mind. Uh, feel free, Keith. What's going on with you? Not much, I guess. Well, well <laughs> I just definitely <laughs> um, not much. Well, actually, a whole lot, I guess. I've been. Um, pushing this um, research I've been on lately in regards to the post office and the master trust account, reconciling the master trust account and come to find out um, information leads me to believe that I'm supposed to take a certain. We're supposed to take a what? and reconcile the master trust account under a law of nations and uniform customs codes at the customs broker level thereby cutting them off at the feet at the securities brokers level this is done through your own um contract with the post office hmm. And, and the postmaster general, uh, coincidentally, is the one that actually uh, um, oversees and regulates the judiciary system. It's the postmaster. It's the postmaster when they see something, when something is brought to their attention that there's something wrong with the judicial system or the judicial process. They're supposed to make note of it and present that into uh, some kind of chain of legislation. So the judiciary is tied into the postal system? Is that what you're saying? Yes. I've never noticed anything like that. That's interesting. Let me pull it up. I've got notes on it. Um, 
Let me see here. Get my link. I'm going to do a little bedtime reading for a little bit. Actually, it's really short. I'll post the link in the chat section as well. Um, but this one here, it says judicial officer, and it's it's right at the uh, about.usps.com, and it's got backslash who backslash judicial. It says the judicial officer department is a neutral independent forum within the United States Postal Service comprised of the judicial officer, the office of the administrative law judges, and the Postal Service Board of Contract Appeals. Interesting, huh? You know, that is interesting. And that's, you know, a good site. I mean, that's a good source for the info, too. So, wow, that, that is extremely interesting. There's the link that I just read from in the chat book or in the chat section. And then from that link, the, you go down below and there's going to give you the Board of Contract Appeals Decisions, Rules of Practice. And then if you go further, it's going to give you Administrative Decisions and Rules of Practice. So they've got two, it shows you that they've got two sets of rules of practice. Unless I go through and find out that they're identical, but if that that would be the case, they would stru structure this differently. But just by reading yeah. this, and and so far I've only read the the uh, um, board of contract appeals because that's a that's that's the board, and we're talking ex parte communications and stuff, um, and that is under where was it? Was it procedure governing the eligibility of persons to practice before the Postal Service? Hmm. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, of course, with their rules, it's kind of the same as the rules for anything else. You go down to the bottom and it says, if you don't understand, see rule number three. And rule number three says, management can decide whether to follow the rules or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, and the interesting thing about this is it talks about an irrevocable letter of credit and you can, you can draw up an irrevocable letter of credit and make that special deposit. I was talking about with the postmaster, making him the surety to make sure that everything goes to the customs office for yourself, for you're the clearing officer. That's what the CO stands for. It doesn't stand for care of, it stands for clearing office. PO box doesn't stand for P post office box. It stands for purchasing office box. And the clearing office operates through that box. Yeah, or, or customs officer. Yes. yes. You know, it, it, when you when we were first starting to talk, it reminded me of, I, I don't know how many people have traveled from one country to another or whatever, uh, but in my travels, it seemed like, you know, they always ask you three questions. You know, who are you, where are you going, and what's your intent for being here? What are you going to yep. be doing? You know what I mean? And what you're describing right there kind of covers that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's interesting too <clears throat> because I'm on this uh, Zoom earlier, and there's this guy that um, professes that he, he doesn't make any claims. So I asked him two questions, and the first question was, well, "Well, can I ask you, brother, where do you come from?" And he immediately comes out with a claim. Well, they they call it Florida, but you know it's not necessarily what I call it. So he already admitted a claim simply because right. I asked the question. Then I turned around and I asked him the second question. I said, "Are the people there peaceful?" And again, he comes right back with, "Well, I I I can't speak for them, but." I'm a peaceful man. So again, you know, the man that made two uh, made a claim that he doesn't make claims in and of itself tells you he's talking babble because he's claiming he doesn't make claims, which in and of itself is a claim. And this is all we've got to do is point out their idiocy. And so when I followed up with those two questions, I then turned around and asked him about that that first claim he made about he only makes he, he only asks questions. Yeah. And, and that's all we're doing in this stuff is is not pointing out necessarily the, the idiocy, but the errors that need to be corrected. We're just correcting. Yeah, the record. That, we're going to adopt their record, make the amendment amendments on our side. We're going to apostille it and then give it back in full faith and credit. If they don't accept it as a as a as a duty to keep an accurate record. Then they have not denied a contract in dishonor. They've denied the trust in dishonor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because everything, well, with man's standards and what mankind has set up is all operating through trust. And a lot of people don't realize it, but it's like more things you look at. It's like, oh my gosh, you see trust used everywhere. And oh, yeah. all, well, that, all they're doing. Yeah, and th what they're doing is they were just, um, they're mirroring what the creator originally did here. And the first thing he did with man, when he created man and then placed man into the Garden of Eden, he created a trust. And so what do they do? They just try to do a mirror image of the same thing. Well, and in fact, in, in that, they breached that trust, and now they're the the one part of the conversation this guy was having about not making claims was well what makes it necessary necessary for me to um drop documentation to correct their record and i said it doesn't you don't have to you can be subject to the officer pulling you over alongside the road and taking you to court and throwing you in jail for the rest of your life 93 times or you can finally stand up make your documentation make it known be recognized and let it be done with. Yeah, yeah, and not and not get invited yeah. into their uh, realm. Right. Well, I mean, and when it comes to not making claims, it just goes back to what Yeshua did, you know, at the supposed trial or whatever. You and you don't answer questions with a claim. You answer a question with a question. Yeah. Well, and the the perfect question I think is is always I I refer to as you know look under uh, give unto Caesar what you what belongs to Caesar, and give unto our Father what belongs to our Father. And I think the concept that a lot of people miss, and they and this is how it it proves that they take it out of context is that if they don't expand it further, in relative to the rest of the correlations in the Bible wherein God created all things. 
So God created the gold of which Caesar placed his image on. Does not the gold actually belong then to the man holding it? And he should find some way to give the image back to Caesar and keep the substance, the gold, and therefore give back the form. And this is what we're doing today, birth certificate. We're allowed to do that through the birth certificate. We're able to take the image off of the gold and keep the gold and give the image back. That's all it is. Exactly, exactly. Most people don't catch that. And, you know, when it's looking at give back to your father or give back to it's all on who are you claiming as your father if you're going ahead and claiming freaking government as your father then fine go ahead and deal with it that way but at the heart of it that's not what it's really all about yeah see people think well we got to give them the gold coin back then no um you got to think deeper and realize that there's a separation there he's telling you in asking that question that there are two things present know them know the differences separate them come out of her he pointed out two things he pointed out the image and the substance yeah substance over form always folks always that's a massive it's just like all the uh Run from the name people, Kate Gaia people, Keith Thompson, whatever his her name is, you know, yeah, screaming about, oh, your your name is is uh, copywritten. Look, look right here at the bottom of the birth certificate. And it's like no, no, the it's birth the form certificate. The form is yeah. copywritten, not the substance, not what's placed on it later on, because there's multiple people's identities placed on that form later on and those are not it's just the form just like the same company that probably makes the um they also make high school diplomas college diplomas uh wedding certificates you name it (laughs) they own the form not the substance when people get beyond the copyright trademark thing and realize it comes to the point of being patent you need no license for something that's patent. That's the public domain. That's everything that is observable. All you got to do is make it observable. That's why I put, uh, I created my own site. It's observable. It stood on the, on the record on a worldwide web. It is recognized worldwide. So therefore the United States must recognize it. And it's recognized as a faith-based union. Nothing else. Well, you know what? The same idea goes also to um, the whole name change thing. And I'm not going to get into the details of what really happens with some people pushing that. But with states, different states, with their laws when it comes to changing a name, um, a lot of people think, oh, you've got to go into court, go into probate and do this and that to change it. But if you look at their laws, look at the heart of it, it'll say, What's been commonly used? I think it's called the right of usage or the usage right. If for the past couple of years, you've been going by Bobby Brown and everybody knows you as Bobby Brown. They, it, some of them knew you as maybe a born name prior, but your common usage now is Bobby Brown. If that's what you're going with, then that is now legally acceptable just under the right of usage. Yes. 
Yes. And that's what I'm talking about. It's it's been up. People have been using it. It's it's uh, recognized on the World Wide Web. Um, it's got all the establishment uh, principles and that's what it's based on is principles because anything is going according to the substance and the substance is individual principles as long as they're they're recognized in a uh, uh, comprehensible sense to the rest of the world and, and it's a common loan fact that it's not caused any problems well what could be the problem then there can't be any you know what, Keith, there's actually an underlying principle here that is internationally recognized, and that is yes. the right to contract, the right to contract. Yep. And no state, no state can impede a contract, okay? And so really, it's the same exact principle. Whatever you've agreed upon with your fellow man is the way it is. It doesn't have to be freaking written in stone by Caesar. It's just kind of kind of common sense, basic principles of life. Yeah, and that's why I say when people start talking about equity and they want to break down exclusive equity, um, concurrent equity, and auxiliary equ equity, I, I, I try to help them comprehend that's the expression of the trust right there is the separation of those three elements of equity. When you talk about equity, we're talking about all three of those different forms because we've got three different people that are operating or three different elements that are operating at the same time for two people to come to a meeting of the minds. And that is your exclusive equity. That is what you think is fair. That is the concurrent equity, which is what the other opposing party or other party coming to agreement with is believing to be fair. And right. the auxiliary equity of what is fair naturally that can be observed by both parties in an auxiliary manner. It's what's patently observable. If I take a knife to another man's throat, I bring that kind of equity, then I have to realize if I think that is fair, then it's only equity that the man who I have a knife to his throat take into effect my life and take me out if he wishes to do so, because that is the threat that I pose by that form of equity. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like the old saying, uh, bringing a knife to a gunfight. That right there is some yes. equity. And I, I think one of the things that people, because equity can be really difficult for some people to wrap their mind around. But I, I think one word to keep in the back of your mind when it comes to equity that would help people out is the word equality. You've got to be on an equal playing field. And that's really what equity is all about. Yeah, when people talk about status, that's what we're talking about there is equal station in life. If you have a station, what do you think comprehend that as? Well, that's kind of similar to a port or a um, trading post or a post, you know. And, and that's what we're talking about is your exclusive jurisdiction, where you're at in the now time at every instant. Yep. That's, the, so, that's the only way so. you're going to be able to bring equity is by being able to observe that in every instant in your own life. Hmm. That's, that's why I say you, you touched on it perfectly earlier when you say you start recognizing trusts here and there. And that's pretty much all I, I recognize anymore because that's 
that's what I'm looking for is the equity in things. And that involves a pure trust. So yeah. when I come up to somebody and I see their verbal language, which is their physical movement, as opposed to their vocal language or oral language, and they're opposing, I know that's not equity because he's he's not exclusive to himself. He's posing inconsistencies. One of the things I really kind of, uh, it didn't surprise me, but it did, uh, because you could see it in real life when it came to trust and the use of them, um, even within, say, you know, your government or your local county or whatever, <clears throat> was when you see, we, we know there's these different roads or whatever. You might have one main road, but it goes by three different names. And one four-mile stretch, it's called one thing. You go up the road, boom, all of a sudden it's called something else. Go further up, now it's called something else. But the, all of it as a whole falls under, say, like State Road 82. You know what I mean? And a lot of people, they're like, oh, that is so confusing. Why not just call it one thing? You know what I mean? And I was um, traveling down a road about a year or so ago. And while I was cruising down the road, I noticed a sign that said, now entering such and such a county or such and such a township or something like that. And the idea of trust came to my mind because it's something I've been looking at in government documents. And so I immediately started paying attention to the road and boom, just past that sign, the conditions of the road completely changed. Now, all of a sudden, there was brand new blacktop on it. The shoulders had been taken care of, where before there was intermittent potholes and things like that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is the same exact road, but now it's gone into a different jurisdiction, and they've changed the name of it. I'm like, all of a sudden, it dawned on me, this is a different trust we're in, and these different trusts, and go and collect money, whether from the state or federally, for taking care of it. So if you want to take care of a 30-mile stretch of road, if you're just going to put it under one trust, you're only going to get one loan on it. But if you drop it down to three or four different names, three or four different trusts, that means those are three or four different grants that you can get from the state or federal for taking care of it rather than just one which means there's multiple pockets dipping into these funds. Yes, and they use conservation funds under the Environmental Protection Act for those things in regards to agricultural certificates. Yeah, absolutely. I got, I got a friend that works for the state. Um, well, I actually works for the county. And he does particular things for the county and drives the county truck. And he can only be in a certain area. He can be only be on certain roads. If he's seen on other roads, you know, he can get in trouble with his job. And it's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Even though it's all the same town, it's all the same county. That's the same way we get some of these cops on these jurisdictions with these communities that have like five or six little different suburbs attached to them. And they're crossing those little city lines. 
Those are different trusts. They're not operating. Now he's operating personal capacity. Now you can get him for everything he owns. I was hanging with uh, Kirk Kallenbach here a few weeks ago. I've got to find out from him. Again, he brought up something to me. I think it was a Supreme Court ruling he said that is recent that government officials can no longer hide uh, behind their office as far as protection goes. No, because that takes them into their personal capacity. They're recognizing that. They're tired of paying all these claims. Yeah. I've got to ask him what court case that was. If he hears this, send me an email, Kurt. <laughs> Or call me. <clears throat> but you know, there's been so many times where people are going after things that are happening. And so they go and they file suit both in the personal and official capacity. And so I guess now what the Supreme Court is saying is that, yeah, they, they don't have that cloak of protection anymore. And I, I think they called it like sovereign immunity or something like that. I just did a, uh, I just, I just did a post not too long ago on their immunity. Yeah, qualified immunity. Yeah. Qualified means it has to be done under signature. Well, according to King James version of the Bible, he gave us a promise, an oath unto us, as he did to Abraham, an immutable promise of his counsel. Period. Well, that's why I say one of my favorite questions is. Um, when dealing with an agent, one of my favorite questions is, is the state held accountable for what you do and say? You know, because that makes them stop and think, oh, wait a minute. You know, do I have to answer my boss for this? <laughs> yeah, and say doing something like that that brings up that chain of command that's a specific that's a specific term military of course yep everything seems to really to be military and and it's not just that it's military but even military is based off of something else you know what i mean so and i think a lot of people learn about chain of command when they're young and work their first job, you know, if you've got a problem, you know, you don't go to the head guy, you go to your immediate supervisor. Because if you go to the head guy, that means you've stepped on the toes of your supervisor, making them look bad, you know what I mean? And showing the attitude of, oh, yeah, I don't care about my supervisor. I, I think I'm freaking able to talk to the big boss. Well, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's, they, they call that descent among the ranks. And this is uh, in regards to that equal station we we're talking about. Um, people forget it's not the law of war. It's the law of war and peace. And that's where it comes from is because you have to know peace. If you don't yeah. know peace, then you're stuck in war. If you know them both, then you know that separation I was talking about earlier with Caesar. Yeah. And equal station, that comes directly from the law of nations. And I would recommend to anybody, you know, granted, the law of nations is basically four books rolled into one. And it is how governments were set up for millennia. Okay. 
but it was all just compiled into one thing in around 1750 by Emmer Vittel. And instead of reading, you know, an 800-page book or whatever, because I know that could be difficult and tedious and hard for some people, but um, you can just go to the Great Oracle, go to Google, Bing, DuckDuckGo, and look up the preliminaries of the Law of Nations. <clears throat> and I think it's about a dozen pages, about 12 pages or so. And read the preliminaries. And the preliminaries should give you a good footing on how authority is set up. And how authority reacts to different authority. And how the inhabitants deal with man's authority, things like that. That's I agree. Just, little bit of advice there for people <clears throat> there's a lot of people want to know where do i start learning stuff at hey i really recommend if you want to understand man's realm uh read the preliminaries at least of the law of nations but yeah, anyway, it's going to give you the basic elements of standing in the international international realm yeah and, you know, that's one of the things, yeah, glad you brought up that word international, because that's one of the first things I started noticing when I started studying stuff. And I was seeing problems that people were having, and they were trying this statute and trying this code and trying that statute and that code and not having much success. And then I started seeing people that were using international law. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This kind of makes sense because now instead of trying to hold an entity to their own rules now you're holding them to the rules of an authority that's superior to them you're going to their boss you know what i mean and uh that's when i really started seeing people start to get success is when they were using international law and and that took me directly to getting a copy of the law of nations and reading that book But anyway, I've got all the lines open, and uh, these calls on Sunday night were originally intended four or five years ago so that members of Tactical Sovereignty or whoever else, if they had any questions or whatever, could pipe in, ask stuff, get information, get to know each other, yada, yada. And uh, that's what it's for. Uh, before we started the call, actually, this evening, it was really cool. We had a uh, member from Scotland, uh, Cannon, came on. And I always love talking to people from other countries, seeing what they're going through, what they're experiencing, because we are all here as one group. We shouldn't look at ourselves as isolated to one town, one state, one country. We were all put here by the creator and should be interacting with each other likewise, I think. And I love that kind of stuff. You know, well, we, we've had calls on here where I've had people from like Holland, um, Asia. One night, I mean, it was I had people from like five different freaking countries on. And it was like, this is so cool because this is what it should be. Yes. Coming together worldwide. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things we should recognize that in the international law, everything is uniform. 
That's what the Uniform Customs Code is all about. Remember, I told yeah. you about the post office, post office earlier. That's that international tax treaty, Union Uniform Customs Codes. Yeah, and uh, you know the posts and everything that actually was derived from, I think, Germany or Russia is where that started out at. Um, I, I, I was in this antique store a few years ago, and there was an old, old desk there. And they had a lot of stuff that people would just bring in. It's kind of like a yard sale kind of thing, only everybody had their own little section where they could sell things. <clears throat> and I knew they didn't really look really close at their stuff. So I was digging in this desk, and I opened a drawer, and I found in the back of it, there's this book from... 1780 or something like that talking about the post office how it was set up and everything like that and the post actually was started uh there's a <clears throat> people talk about the different families that run things well the, a lot of the families that run things you'll never hear their name and this one family i found was um Tax on Turnus, I think was the name. And they're the one, they're the family that started out the postal routes. <clears throat> I started researching them and reading about their history and it was very, very interesting stuff. And every country relies on the post. And in order for a country really to be formed and recognized, the post is one of the elements that's required which is what communication if we all don't talk with each other guess what you're nothing i remember the exact name of that family tax and uh, tax and turnus anyway yeah that'd be cool to do some research on that if you find that let me know yeah you you can just Go to the great oracle go to google or whatever and put in that name um it's t-a-x-i-s space u-n-d and then i'll probably give you the rest of it t-a-x what t-a-x-i-s yeah space I think it was UND. Taxes Unthern. Tax Unthern? Yeah. Taxes Unthern Regensburg. And when you see Thurned, think Thursday. Think the god Thor. Because all this stuff is based on the gods. Uh, think of names like Thurston. That's Thor. Thor's town. You see a town named Thurston? That's Thor's town. Well, and I got it. I pulled it up real quick. It's the princely house of Thurn and Taxis is a family of German nobility that is part of the Briefidel. It was a key player in the postal services in Europe during the 16th century until the end of the Holy Roman Empire in 1806 and became well known as the owner of breweries and builder of many castles. 
Yep. Yeah. Here about a year ago, I saw uh, there was something online talking about a meeting that the Queen had with some guests. And it named some of the guests. And one of the guests was from the Thurnan Texas family. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So since it gave me the name of one of the family members that are alive today, I went and researched her. And, you know, found that she was strictly Catholic. Um, she did a lot of things like for the town. You know, she, she was like a, a steward for the town. Um, helping out the poor, different things like that. And I was like, oh, wow, this is curious because I here I'm seeing evidence that these people are still kind of all hanging together, you know, uh, the family and the freaking queen and stuff. They're all rubbing shoulders. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's the whole thing about uh, Queen Elizabeth. You know, the whole process there is exactly what we were talking about. Give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And basically all she did was she handed her entire estate over to England. And now she gets to operate in that nice pa uh, palace mansion. Yep. They're, they're administrating the, the estate as trustee for her. She's the beneficiary. So she gets the benefit of all of it. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the operation. Who are you handing over the estate over to, though? Yeah. Well, and, you know, it seems like when you look at the core of all these situations, what it really comes down to is an attempt to escape liability. Yeah. I want all the privileges and benefits, but I don't want the liability. Yep, called avoidance, not e, uh, evasion. Yeah, yeah, evasion, like, well, you know, I, I was going to have somebody on talking about taxes this evening. And evasion of taxes is totally illegal, absolutely illegal, evading taxes. But avoiding taxes is not illegal. No, that's lawful. That's the confession and avoidance. It's actually a tactic in their rules. Yep. Just make sure what you're doing is not a taxable determination. Make sure it's not a taxable event. And it's still on how everything is structured. I've that's, had my that's the whole thing. Stru structure and foundation. Yep. I've had my grill running all this time, and I need to take uh, this stuff off the grill. Sitting here making all sorts of bubbling noise and stuff. And the cats are sitting here staring up at the grill. They're like, we want what's up there. <laughs> no, you don't. You can't have what's up here, guys. <clears throat> but a friend of mine just had her 12th birthday today. And, of course, she thinks she's 20. And, yeah. uh... I went to dinner with them, with the family today. I had a great time with them, and I didn't eat with them. A lot of them ate, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home, and I want to grill. I'm going to pull out the grill and grill some grub. And uh, 
to me, there's nothing like food cooked on a grill or an open fire. I mean, I could live off that. Well, pretty much I do, I guess. But, but I, I, I can't wait to if if life ever brings me out to the mountains to live like that again. I will. You know, I kind of wonder, Keith. Do you think that uh, Adam and Eve were vegetarians? Because if they weren't vegetarians, would we have any animals today? Well, I think um, that over time, men have become accustomed to eating animals because there were leftover remnants in phases of life where we had bottlenecks and such. And it became an instinct of survival. And now it's a matter of convenience. But yeah, I think Adam and Eve started out as vegetarians. What else would there be to eat? They didn't even know how to catch. They weren't told to go catch. They were told to eat from the fruit of the trees. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Genesis says that nuts and berries, these are created for your food. It doesn't say anything about animals. Not, not to take advantage of, you know, like the uh, some of those tribes in Africa do to, to uh, walk up on a, a, a lion pride that's got a fresh kill and scatter the lion pride and take a hind quarter of meat and walk away and let, let the lion pride have at the rest of it. That's completely, uh, I, I think that's completely reasonable. All right. Well, you know, I kind of wonder some. It's not us killing anything. It's us taking advantage and taking a share. That's equity. Right. I've kind of wondered sometimes, Keith, about, you know, say, for instance, the Europeaners coming to the Americas and uh, the Indians here being wiped out. I mean, I, I took anthropology courses and stuff and really learned that the Indians did more damage to themselves than what the white man did to them. But um, I've often kind of wondered if the Mormons weren't somewhat correct in that it could have been like one of the tribes of Israel that were here and came here and that their eventual demise really came because they did not follow the book of Genesis and, and what the creator from then had said, and that they were killing animals, buffaloes. And granted, a lot of people say, well, they used every part of it. You know, they clothed themselves with the skins, this and that and everything. But is that really it? Or are you really not supposed to kill other human or other living creatures? And so their demise, well, their penalty <laughs> for living off animals it's kind of somewhat kicked around on the back well yeah that's again uh they forget that they're they're taking things out of context because when you correlate with the rest of the bible you see also that um we're supposed to preach the gospel among the all pre all creatures so rather than taking advantage of of creatures and hunting them down like the natives did or even um, going so far as the extent of running them off the cliff in mass numbers so they, they could actually expand their, their own wealth internally as a tribe with the new traders and everything. But 
you know, that's that's just proving that you don't act in equity. And again, it just goes back to the natural thing. You know, if you're you're thinking about languages, actions always speak louder than words. So if, if the natives really didn't have a value system, then what were they doing in that? If they were truly living naturally, then they would have been using bushcraft skills and stuff like that and eating off of the land, um, not merely to go out and hunt and expand. See, that's that want that it speaks about. In the, in the, he provides everything. Why would you hunt down to have more? Yeah, that's something I never thought about really was dealing with all creatures according to scripture, not just men and women, but using the same principles, the same equitable principles with all living creatures. You know, whether whether it be the buffalo or the fish in the sea. I, I think there is um one of the books that that wasn't canonized where Yeshua was asked a question about this and he said well he said do the fish reach up on the land and grab you to utilize you for their needs he said so why do you do that to them and uh you know myself one of the things i gotta laugh about is i'll, I'll bring up something or whatever and somebody will be like oh that book wasn't canonized it's like not canonized canonized means vatican approved and i'm not catholic right. I could care less what the Vatican so <laughs> yeah, and Vatican approved only means commercialized. As long as you got enough foundation for you and, and they accept it, they'll give you a little black book of commerce. It's it's this it's a commercial central uh, the central co commerce um, capital of the world. Period. They that was operate so totally in they operate totally in blasphemy through the three papal bulls. That was something I looked into quite a while ago, um, looking at different realms, you know, whether it was, you know, the creator's realm or people want to believe in Satan or the adversary's realm. And that's what I was showing was that the adversary's realm is commerce. And when you stop and think we've got the UCC, it's like, oh, okay, now this all kind of comes together and makes sense. By the way, next Sunday night, um, April 11th, um, Micah Dank is coming back on uh, to do a part two. He's just had, uh, I believe, that the third book in his series was released, and which is a great book. And so, anyway, yeah. Micah Dank has great information. Recommend anybody check him out. That's M I C A H, I believe, D A N K. Yeah, he's on YouTube, right? Oh, yeah. You can find lots of stuff, a lot of his interviews on YouTube. You can find um, his last interview with us, which was about a month or a month and a half ago, something like that. And he contacted me a couple weeks ago, and he says, hey, you want to do a part two? And I said, sure. I said, you got time? This guy does, like, freaking two or three interviews a day. He's been on with Rex Bear and Leak Project. He's been on Red Pill. I mean, he's all over the freaking place. But I was like, hey, if you got time, I'll welcome you on. But yeah. Uh, yeah. He's always got good info. Well, fortunately, I think I fixed whatever problem I had from last week. That kept cutting me out. Um, yeah, it kept cutting me out, too. That's why I just finally 
didn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. And then I wasn't sure if it was just my end or um, my buddy's end or whatever. So I went back the next day and just checked out a few spots in the region. And I was like, yeah, it was freaking just totally cutting me out. And so I had to go into this technology that I'm using now and try and figure out, okay, what was it that was doing that? And I think I might have figured it out because otherwise I was just going to have to go and purchase another device, you know, to use. I got this laptop last year and it's first time I've had a laptop in a number of years. I was working on a phone. <laughs> Well, oh, and that's all I've worked off the phone. But I think I got Joe in the background. Is that you back there, Joe? No, I was asking if you could hear me. Oh, yeah, I can hear you uh, faintly. Okay. Uh, who's this? This is Ken, New Jersey, Iran, New Jersey. Um, could you clarify oh, okay. a couple of things? Could you clarify a couple of things that you were talking about earlier that Keith was talking about regarding the United States Postal Service? Um, I would have thought that the comments that were being made in relating to the judicial would have been with the United States Post Office and not the Postal Service uh, when it changed over in 1972. Uh, am I correct about that, or did this all carry forward to the United States Postal Service, number one? And number two, the master account that you're talking about, is that the same thing as people refer to as the TDA account, the Treasury Direct account? or the DTA account, direct treasury account, are they one and the same, what you're speaking of, or is this something different? Um, I, I believe it would be something different. The, the TDA is a treasury direct account, which deals with buying and selling securities, whereas the master trust account is the trust account established under which those securities can be managed and then sold and bought. So the, the the way I comprehend it, it's a different level of the trust. It's still it's still managed by the same trust, but people have to realize the trust is actually an international trust under the Universal Postal Union um, Law of Nations. The the Universal Postal Union has its own constitution called the Constitution of the Universal Postal Union. Then you have the Law of Nations, and then you have the Union uh, Uniform Customs Codes. Now, the law of nations is the uh, military side or the admiralty side, and the uniform customs codes is the maritime side. So you have a peace treaty in the admiralty and a peace treaty in the uh, maritime. Uh, and the, the peace treaty in the maritime, you can look at as a tax treaty. It's the customs side, whereas the, the internal securities that are being brokered on a daily basis by everybody's signature is a lower level of that trust. Okay, so that's something I wanted freaking hit on when you brought that up. Um, was is there a difference or not there? Because if you go to um, thirty-one CFR three six three, it talks about the difference, you know, with the minor account you know, with the infant right. estate. All right. And so, yeah, that was something I was curious about as well. Um, well, and what, it, now, and what it is, is you can establish the same kind of setup with that primary account and the minor account, except you're going to use the existing account. You're going to transfer it. That's a foreign site as trust. What you're going to do is you're going to uh, settle all accounts, put on special deposit that birth certificate. 
after it's got full faith and credit, you put it on special deposit and close the account. Now, what happens is you, that account can no longer accept additional credits, but it's got credits on account. So everything that's issued on those securities level is a debit to that account automatically. It no longer comes out of your pocket. At the end of the year, the entity files a, re, a tax return and everything during the year is given as a donation. And when he files as a tax return, it zeroes the account out. 100% donation, 100% right. return, zeroes the account out. Yeah, everything through the year is given as a gift. Right. And and, and it operates under the um, clearing office of the private domestic estate trust established that adopts it. All right. Now, the, the second part of his question was the difference between the post office and the USPS. And now... A lot of this stuff, I, I can see it transferring and not necessarily being underneath the post office, which a lot of people would call, you know, the, the de jure realm and going to the de facto, which would be the USPS. Um, that would kind of make sense to me. Correct. And if it's under the, if it's been delegated to U.S. Postal Service, then it is definitely under the U.S. Post Office. Okay, so what we're looking at is a situation where the owner of a company has delegated something to a franchise. So the post office delegates the authority for certain things to USPS. Is that what you're saying? Correct. It's got to have a clearing to go through customs first. If it's coming internally, it stays internally. If it's coming from a foreign entity or coming internally going to a foreign entity, it's got to go through a clearing office. Yeah, okay. Uh, they they, they got to clean up the product, make sure the errors are tired up, uh, wash it off, wax it. Properly identified. Properly identified. Exactly. Well, and this is all done by attorneys, and that's what attorneys do. They are torn. They change things over, you know, and that to me, that's that's their favorite thing that they do is they actually reclassify things. So they reclassify you from boy or girl into person. And, and you guys realize the, the post office has their own purchasing center where you can purchase bid bonds, payment bonds, performance bonds, fidelity bonds. You can present your own irrevocable letter of credit and place it in special deposit with their banking institution. Just like I'm saying, it, it's all operable through the, the post office, which operates also as a bank, which also operates as a court. They're the ones that promulgate the rules of the judicial system. Oh, wow. That, that word court and thinking about courting, I mean, that, that can go in so many directions because that, that's what everything really comes down to. Everything has its own court. People don't realize that. Well, yeah, you're courting to be engaged. You, you're looking for a dowry, which is known as a gift, and you have a certain gift to present in return if they accept your offer. So the tax yeah. comes first. 
Taxes a tid. Yeah. It's a gift. Hey, you got a gift, well, brother? It, I got a gift in exchange. Yeah, and you hit it on the head there. You brought up dowry. And you can go back in history and look at dowry. That, that was the money that was put up, you know, for a union. And if there was a problem within the union, that that dowry would be able to satisfy things. It, almost like a bond. Well, yeah, if the, dowry, wife turned out to, if the wife turned out to be a whore, then okay, there's your dowry. You put up with it. Don't send her back here, though. No yeah. exile. <laughs> but also if the man couldn't take care of her and this and that there was a dowry in place that would be able to satisfy things and help out and so the dowry the dowry essentially was the original bond yes and that and that was the exchange uh the gift in exchange for taking a woman off the hands of a nation so that she could marry outside of the family and therefore, in the respects of uh, strengthening the genes of the family. Yeah. Well, and this goes right to the modern day marriage license, you know, because marriage licenses didn't always exist. I mean, it was basically permission given, you know, to marry a slave or marry outside the tribe, you know. Because it, it was something that might weaken one side or the other. And so it had to be approved. Well, and, <laughs> and not only that, but it comes down to the last. <coughs> excuse, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> it comes down to that last name when, when a man and woman hey. come into union. Oh. Don't fill that bong so full, man. And make <laughs> more life before you hit, man. <laughs> so anyway, it comes down to this uh, this concept that we have today that when a man and woman come into into a union, into that that wedlock, we we have to realize that we've got this concept, and it's a commercial concept of the last name, <laughs> whereas. We're supposed to <laughs> bring a redemption of the land um, in in a uh, metaphorical sense. We're supposed to bring a redemption of the mother. So when we pass on in life, when we grow through life, we're supposed to take on both our, our mother's name and our father's name. But we're not supposed to do it in a commercial sense. We're supposed to do it in the spiritual sense of remembering their forefathers from both sides of the family bringing a greater union into the one existence that that exclusive entity that came from both of those parents so you're bringing the two lineages together and recognizing yourself as that stronger element both in in having the heritage of both countries both nations you're, you're bringing the male, male together you're bringing the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain together and putting everything in equilibrium. I mean, it's like uh, uh, it's like Lincoln said: "The house divided cannot stand." Well, if you're only operating yep. on the right side, or side, or the male side, or the female, guess what? Correct. You're divided. Correct. And so this is the fallacy of the nationality. Everybody claims is that if you're going to redeem your nationality, what you do is you claim both nationalities 
and now you are known as a nation of one, combining the two nationalities' predecessors. You recognize both the, the matriarch and the patriarch in our Father's name, which art in heaven, showing a greater union of mankind rather than a separation and the singularity of I, 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 I. And it's always us. It's always we. It's always our. Male and female created he them, and he called their name Adam. You know, in uh, North Korea, they don't have a word for I or me or my. Uh, they only use us and our. Uh, there yeah. is no definition of singularity there. And that's what people fail to realize in that. In that central region over there, you're talking about North Korea is what the rest of the world calls communist. However, they don't see it as communist. To them, it's their spiritual belief. So how could the rest of the country asserting that same right of that moral compass of a belief singularly say that their concept of us, we, and our is faulty? It's an impossibility. If you just use your reason and logic, the rest of the world you know, has no no business whatsoever messing with those people. Even South Korea doesn't have any any business. Well, you know, they, they've decided to place themselves in that position. And I've heard uh, somebody from there talk, and they were talking about their grandmother because their grandmother told them about how North Korea slipped into what they were in, and the way they slipped into it was promises from the government. That, oh, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, you won't have to worry about this, you won't have to worry about that. But on the same side of the coin, they were losing other things. And, yes. and huh. that, that person is here now in the States, and she's saying, don't you guys see the same thing is happening to you that happened in North Korea? Now, oh, at, yeah. at the same <laughs> one of the things that this reminds me of is that, Are we losing you? Yeah. I did uh, just for. Okay, I'm going to check my audio looks good. Are you hearing me now, Keith? Okay, okay we hear you now. You are very garbled okay. and broken up. Oh. Uh, Maybe there's too much traffic going on right now and uh, the Ethernet. And it'll be a good time to shut things down. But I, I remember um, when I started studying things, while things were shut down, I was looking at like the Dark Ages, supposedly, and what was happening with the HRE, the Holy Roman Emperor Empire. And <clears throat> one of the problems they had in the HRE in taking over countries was that different families were all joined as separate units. And so when they went into war against an area, they didn't know who the friend or who the foe was. And I heard a uh, American general here a few years ago talking about problems in the Middle East. And they were saying that when they were, you know, in Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever, their problem was they didn't know who friend and foe was. 
because the people were all divided into separate tribes. Some of them might have been on their side, some of them not. And so they didn't know, you know, who they were really warring against. And I really think that that's the way things should be. We should be tight in our tribes instead of giving our tribe over to U.S. Inc. or whatever. Just my opinion. Most certainly. Most certainly. You know, it's it's a matter of we were talking about the definition of insanity earlier. And insanity means something is somebody that is not competent to issue forth their own affairs. And what that ultimately means is that if you fail to administrate one of, or, or put forth one of your affairs, somebody could technically deem you incompetent. And this is the fallacy of their system is, again, it's, it's exclusive to us. We are the ones that determine our actions. And as long as we're not bringing any harm against anybody else, nobody else has any say against it, period. Goes to that supreme law of the land, natural law. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, I think that's the thing that a lot of people confuse. Uh, they, they confuse the term natural law and common law. Because I hear a lot of people mention common law, and then they start bringing up natural law principles. And it's like, yeah, no, they're kind of different. <laughs> Very different, actually. Yeah. But And that's what it comes up to, is whether or not you are competent to take care of your own affairs. Because if you're not, and you haven't stepped up, it's not just being able to. Have you stepped up and claimed that you will take care of your own affairs? Most people haven't is, done that. Well, and and people try to say that it's a matter of common sense, and I, I think it's deeper than I think. I think it's a matter of intuition, instinct, um, logic, and reason. And these are four elements of thought process that most people don't use comprehensively well together. They're they're disorganized, and so they're they're a lot like ADHD. They don't know how to comp compose their their language, whether it be verbal, oral, um, written, whatever. And so it comes out as babble in all ways. Well, and this has been presented to people as a thought form and a way of life. Um, this may sound like it doesn't apply, but this is a direct comparison, believe me. Um, I was in a break room last night at work <clears throat> and I was listening to four guys like around 30 years old and they were talking about like Pokemon and some new game or something that's out or whatever. And they were very adamant about what is better than the other. And, Oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. And I'm sitting there looking at these guys, listening to them going, you guys are supposed to be adults. And you're dealing in a 12-year-old conversation or an 8-year-old conversation. You're talking like children. And we expect yep. this country to move forward somehow? Yeah, yep. National not going to happen. National reading comprehension is 7th grade. Yeah. And the, the one guy actually like claims to be a truther. Oh, have you heard about they're abducting children and this and that and uh, Podesta this and uh, talking about all the conspiracy stuff. But though he's like deep into this conversation about Pokemon and, and these cartoons. And I'm going, 
Are you freaking serious? Oh, yeah, he most certainly is. That's part of the cognitive dissonance. That's why he knows so much, because all those are just games. When people get down to the reality of life and realize the law is the law and there is nothing else and really start doing their own research, they realize all those are just distractions. Let me tell you something. I have no problem stealing a phrase from uh, Charles Misler. And he said that if the creator, well, he said God, he said, if God doesn't do something very soon, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah a big apology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I, I, and I got to give myself a pat on the back in a sense, but I got to give him all the glory in that, um, I was headed down that path myself for a long time, Brian. I, I gave up my faith in my my creator when I lost my son. And I I go straight head on first in my, my addiction. And I'm glad I came out of it and, and things are ringing sense and true to me now. Because that's that's the ultimate power is being able to defeat your opponent without fighting. And that alone is the end of the fight in my life. I can live in peace now just knowing that. So all I got to do is just know bring to to bring the truth forward at all points in my life, and that itself is the solution. Preempting the bullshit presumptions. Yeah, and that is so exactly right because that's what I've tried to tell people with, like when I started the original group Tactical Sovereignty and the one that's now is that everything I try and show is how you can preemptively take care of problems. Don't wait. I mean, I've got people, dude, I, and I say this all the time, but it's so true. I just had somebody that has been close with the group for a number of years contact me this last week, contacted me at 7.38 in the morning and said, I've got court at 8 a.m. What should I do? Yeah, that's even tell just me, funny, isn't it? He didn't even tell me what court was about or what the charges were or anything. That's all he said. I've got court at eight o'clock. What should I do? I'm like, do about what? You've not told me anything. And number one, contacting me 22 minutes ahead of time is going to do nothing for you. Yeah, you know? absolutely not. Everything is really about preventative medicine. I mean, we've heard it since we were a kid. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, you know? best I can tell anybody in that situation today is um, if you do the same thing to me, I'll put a handwritten plea of guilt, waiving your right to appeal, um, provided that the uh, um, prosecutor can prove that he's operating within the context of the Trading with Enemies Act, appropriately administrating his affairs under the public trust. Well, my, my attitude when it comes to putting in a plea, and number one is that you cannot put in a plea until you have full disclosure as to what evidence they have against you. Well, yeah, that's why I put it based upon the uh, um, um, fact that the prosecutors show that uh, he's operating within the Trading with Enemies Act in an appropriate fashion, according to the public yeah. trust. He can't do that because he's not on, on federal land. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, if, there's, and, if, and if by chance he is, 
if by chance he is, he's got to have that foreign agent registration. He's got to have his W-9, all of that. Same with the court. Yeah, the fire has to be in place. You know, one of the things that cracks me up all the time, though, too, is the, the judge then wanting to step in and, oh, I'll enter a plea for you. And it's, oh, cool, you'll enter a plea for me? Cool. So you're assuming all liability then. <laughs> well, not only that, but you're making your own judicial discre uh, discretionary uh, um, judgment. So I I thank you for your final judgment. Have a great yeah, day. And he's practicing law from the bench. Yeah, I can I can get I can forgive him for that. I appreciate his judicial discretion in making a final judgment in on and for the record. How can there well, be a trial if he's already if the one that's that's naming that's that's running the case has already placed himself in on and for the record not guilty? He's already made a dis judicial discretion. I, I will forgive my trespassers. <laughs> yep. yep, exactly. Uh, the Lord's prayer, right then and there. Our Father, which ha which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. You know, right on down, I, I forgive those who trespass against myself as I, I appreciate the uh, forgiveness given here upon this court today. Have a good day. Uh, Jim, he been actually used that in court and everything fell apart. That's a really good recording. I need it's in tactical if anybody wants to look it up. Oh, yeah. There are many options for people to use if they're quick witted about it. It's just expressing it exactly. Well, we've been over an hour now, and uh, I think it's been a good old chat this evening. And until next week, I guess, yeah, next week we've got um, Micah Dank coming on, which that'll be an awesome, awesome show. So, but uh, these are always important, and you know, there's little bits of information that people find amongst things. I mean, I know a lot of times I would see a podcast or a YouTube that was like maybe three hours or something. And you're automatically like, oh, no, I'm not going to pay attention to that. Yeah. You don't realize, even go, you know, skip past the first hour. You will find some freaking tidbits that start coming out. It's like, holy crap, never even thought of that, you know. And it starts wrapping your mind around what's really going on. And like I tell everybody, you want to know what's really going on? Learn who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at. Because you've been deceived on all three of those. So. Yep. All right. All right. Well, Brian, right. I appreciate you. I love you, brother. And like I tell everybody, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be doing this. God bless. Love you, too. Absolutely, Keith. And we appreciate that. So until next week, everybody, be blessed. And. Uh, have a wonderful week. Join Tactical Sovereignty on Facebook. If you have any questions or anything, always feel free to reach out to Keith or I there. Good night, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.